What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those itunes charts which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels helping strangers find the podcast and a great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing i cannot stress the importance of leaving those reviews enough and i appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so if you're not listening on apple music just hit like follow subscribe wherever you are listening from the podcast is available on spotify now and i've also been dropping some monthly playlists there so those are available every first of the month so the november one is there now that link will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with that spotify profile and check out all those different playlists whether it's the monthly ones or the genre specific ones they are pretty stacked out at this point about a year of uh putting those playlists out monthly now so check those out there's also links for the dan cable presents mugs and t-shirts hope everybody is doing well out there i just got back from a killer weekend in la went out and met my buddy Bert out there and stayed at my uncle's house in Santa Monica for 
a few days. It was great around the corner from Surplus Records there in Santa Monica. Cruised that spot and found this Philip Bailey record that I'd been looking for for a while. That's uh, the one that's produced by Phil Collins. And that was cool and got to see my cousin who usually co-hosts the I Dig record series with me. I got to hang with him for a bit and catch up at his new digs there in LA and then Bert got there on Thursday and we went out to the comedy store which is one of my favorite things to do anytime I am near Los Angeles. I grew up about 40 miles east of LA and used to go to the comedy store tons before moving up to Portland so It was great to get back there, saw some killer sets, and got to see one of the the podcast icons, Mark Marin. So it was great to see Marin. I've seen him a few times there now, and uh, he was just really on fire that night. And that's just a dude that I have so much respect for and look up to a lot and has had such a huge influence on uh, the way that I do this show and the the types of interviews or conversations that I'm type that I'm trying to facilitate have definitely been impacted by the way he has done it. So great to see Marin. And then Friday night we went and saw one of our our favorite bands. I would say Bert and I's mutual favorite band is is Thrice, and we saw them for probably like the sixth time together. He's pretty much come through every time they've come up to Portland since I moved up here. And this time we decided to catch them in LA just outside of their hometown. And they were amazing as always. That show just seems to continue to get better and better. But it had been a while since I had just been absolutely blown away by an opener and I was really stoked to see Touche Amore who I had been following a bit especially since their most recent record Lament came out. I was familiar with who they were before but had never really done the deep dive on the records but that Lament record just really hit me heavy so I was pumped to see them and they they just absolutely blew me away and it was it was so cool. They just had so much energy and all that's a band that I will try to see every time they are in a city near me now. The the show was just just that goddamn good. And then we rounded it out the next day by going to see a Kings game. We're both huge hockey fans and uh we grew up going to a lot of Kings games together and uh great to great to get back to uh the staples center it'd been a while since i'd been to an nhl game so just uh one for the books as Bert would say so just getting my bearings back here and stoked to share this week's conversation episode 281 with kelly finnegan from the monophonics a psychedelic soul band from san francisco california I got to see Monophonics play twice at the Tree Fort Music Festival in Boise a month or so ago, and they were fucking incredible. Both sets blew me away, and just amazing musicianship and the energy that is brought to the performance and uh, just the conviction that these dudes play with is uh is a powerful thing and and it was just killer to see so many people moving in the crowd to this music and they were easily the band that i was most excited about seeing at tree fort and it disappointed in no way and it was so cool to have the opportunity to to get to chat with kelly before their their second set at the el cora which is basically a like an Elks Lodge, which is a trip, but uh, they have converted it well into a, a really great performance space. And Bert, who I mentioned beforehand, 
who I just met for that LA trip, went out to Boise with me to capture some video and some, some photos of the, the tree fort footage. So he was there alongside and we sat side stage for most of the night two of monophonics, which was, it was really cool just to, that's just such a sweet spot to stand. If, uh, if the sound setup falls in your favor because you're, you're basically just like on stage with the band, but, uh, not really able to be seen. And, uh, it's, it's cool to, to kind of be able to, to look out at the crowd and see what people, uh, seem to be experiencing and observing from that spot is, is really great. So Bert got some awesome photos from this one and, uh, they came out great. So look for those on the old Instagram and the other social media things. But, uh, know that monophonics was definitely Bert's big takeaway from the tree fort festival. This was, this was his favorite went home with one of those it's only us vinyls for sure and i actually bought a copy today on bandcamp and this is just the day before this is being released and it said after i purchased mine that there were four available so they might all be gone by now but if you're into that record i would uh i would suggest trying to get your hands on one quickly because uh it looks like they are are nearly out on this run and i will put all the links in the episode notes so you can uh, keep up with monophonics and and find their their merch there and whatnot and stay tuned for uh, a new record from them in 2022 but they've got so much music to to check out on the, the streaming services and they might have some vinyl available too i tried to uh i tried to grab a copy of sound of sinning but that appeared to be sold out online, so I'm just going to have to try to luck out at a record store or maybe the next time I get to see Monophonics live. Kelly Finnegan also has uh, some solo records as well, which are also really great, but so cool to get to chat with this dude. He was uh, so kind and really enjoyed a lot of the things he had to say, and it was cool getting to, to know where the music comes from and, and how this band formed back in San Francisco before he was even a member. So we'll get into that and hope to get to chat with Kelly in the future and maybe go more in depth about the band and his solo songwriting, but stoked on the the 30 minutes or so that, that we had to chat and appreciative of him giving me some of his time, especially in the chaos of, of a music festival, things can get shifted around quite a bit. So it was uh, very cool of him to, to hang for a bit and I thought we covered quite a bit in the in the time that we had so thanks again to Treefort for having me out and thanks to all the people within the monophonics team that I was in contact with to to make this happen appreciate you all too can't uh, can't do these things if if people aren't willing to put you in communication so appreciate them a lot and uh, don't forget Treefort 2022 tickets are already on sale and they are doing it march 22nd through the 26th so it's coming around quick because they're trying to get it back on the the normal schedule for them there in boise idaho so i'll put the links for tree fort as well in the episode notes had so much fun out there can't encourage people enough to to go check out that music festival And if you are local to the Portland, Oregon area and you want to see some free live music here, Produce Row Cafe in Southeast Portland has free music every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And every Wednesday, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's a covered, heated patio. Great situation. All ages. So you can can bring the, the younger folks out to those and great food, great drinks. And a cool way to support local musicians just by by showing up. So this coming Sunday, Leah Huser and Allison Self will be down there playing tunes. Sarah Vitor will be there on November 10th from Fox and Bones. And then I will be there on November 17th doing a DJ set. So 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. November 17th. Come hang with me there. Uh, the week before... So come 
hang with me there. The produce row links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with them. Their calendar is uh, going to their calendar is on their website as well. So you can keep up with what's happening, but free music every Wednesday and every Sunday over there. And with that, we're going to get into episode 281. Big thanks to Kelly Finnegan from Monophonics for doing the thing. We're going to kick it off with a track from Monophonics' most recent album, which is titled It's Only Us. And this is one of my favorite tracks on the record. It's called Tunnel Vision. Let's do the damn thing.
Yeah, man. You can jump into it whenever you're ready to do it, Kelly. I'm ready when you are. Awesome, dude. I'm uh, super stoked to talk to you. You, Monophonics was high upon my list of bands that I wanted to see at Tree for it. And Great. I, I just kind of happened to stumble upon the band maybe, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, whenever the, the instrumentals came out for uh, It's Only Us. I think it was like the, when was that? June, May? Yeah. May or June, something like that. Around so then. so yeah. that's what kind of put your band on the radar. I was just looking at like the new records that came out in that genre cool. and that popped up and then kind of did did some digging and was stoked to see that you were on the tree fort lineup and nice. uh yeah so i've gotten like pretty familiar with the recorded material very cool and uh i don't know i feel like with the type of music y'all play it's it's expected that the live show is going to be even better than the record oh but well thank you when i got to see it yesterday on the main stage yeah i was just so fucking like blown away with the whole setup and and your energy on stage, like what you bring to it just seems to be be the fire and like infect like very infectious amongst your, your bandmates. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very nice of you to say. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a fun fun set. Yeah. It was cool, man. It it's uh it's just very engaging to to see all the different pieces of it. I loved that your horn players are never often just standing around if they're not playing horns there yeah. on percussion or you know oh, yeah. doing something like that. Got to keep them busy. <laughs> Anybody standing around while others are working is never fun. So pick up a tambourine, pick up a shaker, play a keyboard line, uh, you know, help out with the sound. And, you know, we're lucky that those guys are, are willing and able to do it and do it at such a high level. So For sure. Yeah, talk to me about how Monophonics formed. Well, Monophonics formed a long time ago. I wasn't even around. Um, the only two guys who are left over from forming that band are Ryan, the trumpet player, and Austin, the drummer. Okay. Those guys are the original. Um, they're the last one standing, per se. Um, <clears throat> so that was around 2005. It was two different bands who kind of came together and realized that they had a lot of the same interests in terms of music and musical genres and taste. So once... Um, you know, once they got going, they were really an instrumental band and they put out a couple records and were active mostly around the Bay, did a little bit of touring, but yeah. nothing significant. And, um, and then I happened to meet Ryan and Alex, um, and use them for a recording session I was doing for a project at the time. This was around 2009. So in 2010, they called me up cause they were looking for a keyboard sub. The keyboard player had, um, he was moving away. So they were using all different types of people. And, um, how you doing, sir? Uh, yeah. I don't care if you guys smoke marijuana. Okay. But keep the door closed because people out there are smelling it. Understood. And they wonder why they can't smoke it. <laughs> I'm, that's... Do you got something to smoke, I'm ready to have... Uh, we, yeah, I think you missed that party. We came in here to, to to do an interview, but I think it, that happened before we came in here because we smelled it too. Oh, oh, you smelled it too? Yes. Oh, of course. But <laughs> if when we see those smokers, we'll send them your way. <laughs> Thank you, man. Honestly, that was like that was the great. best interruption. That's, that's that you, the best interruption you, you can have. Really, even get. So they asked me to, you know, do some shows, and then I never left. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Basically, I became uh, the singer and the keyboard player and just fully engaged myself in the band. And in 2011, we cut a 45. And then in, 2000, in 2011 as well, we cut a whole record, which came out in 2012. And that is kind of the beginning of the, you know, the first chapter of you know, monophonics in terms of what it is today. before you started bringing in the, the vocal aspect to things? Well, the first show I sang one song. 
but I think everybody in the band noticed, wow, that one song went over really well. So then as I came back and did more shows, I was like, let's add another vocal song. Two turned to three. Yeah. Okay, now half of the set is instrumental, half of the set is vocal. That feels like a nice balance. And then, you know, then once we write the record in your brain, which is mostly vocals, you know, there's some instrumentals on there. It just, you know, I'd say by 2015, it was 2014, it was a vocal band. Yeah. Maybe we'd play an instrumental or two. But every band can do that. You know what I mean? For it, sure. It basically was like fully engaged. Yeah. Did that come more out of like just wanting to be something that was more engaging for a live show as far as having the, the vocal to it? Or was it, yeah. uh, did it did it feel like it could shift the way that, that songs were written? I think all of the above. It just changed the landscape of what the band could be and where the band could go. It's, you know, it's not to say that instrumental bands can't do well, but it's a lot harder. It's a, it's more of a challenge. You're going to find a lot less successful instrumental bands than bands with vocalists or lyrics. And they would find that a lot of people would, hey, you know, you guys are great, but you should get a singer. Or, man, I, I, I'm just not into instrumental music. I mean, right, some people right. just run into it. They yeah. just they can't get into that aspect of the art without somebody kind of in their head or somebody singing about something. So... It was just the timing. You know, sure. we really found each other at a great time. I was starting to sing more. I wasn't a singer. It's not something that I was like singing in other bands or singing on things. I did it very periodically and I was very new to me. And they were looking to, um, you know, introduce vocals a lot more into their sound. So yeah. I think the timing was really important. What was that like for you to to all of a sudden become the front person for this band and, and start singing <laughs> regularly? Was that was very it, strange? Yeah. It's not something I embraced at first. I embrace it a lot more. You know, people see me kind of, I think I've always, you know, I think I performing I was okay with because what I was able to do is it's kind of like being the, the small guy on the team. It's like, okay, if I hustle and I work my butt off, people are going to notice me. I might not be the best player, but they're going to notice my energy and my willingness to just go hard every time. So I think that was my approach was, okay, I'm not some singer. I don't have any experience playing in bands or performing like this. But if I really just go at it with no fear and go at it, not that I wasn't scared shitless, but <laughs> but just go at it in a way of just go for it. You know what I mean? That people would um, embrace that. Yeah. Because there's honesty to it. I was being honest. I was, I think, more than honest. And I was being vulnerable. Um which is what is that connection with people? That's what draws you in and goes, Oh, okay. I believe this guy. I want to, I want to embrace dude. him. Fuck. Yeah. That, that was the message was received yesterday when I saw it Good. live, you know, it, it Good. I was just like, Oh, this, this dude, uh, is, is all in on this. You know, he, he, there's, there's so much conviction in the performance. And I was going to, before I got to see the show, I had some, some notes of just kind of, I wanted to ask you about, having this style of band, how you kind of put a fresh twist on, on this, on this music that kind of has, you know, years of history. But I felt like that was just like really answered to me when I saw the live show. It was like, Oh, this is how you do it. You just do it. You just, you go all in on the, the performance and that oh, authenticity yeah. is just like something you can't fuck with. Oh, I completely agree. You can't. Um, yeah, it's just, the honesty is so important in art, you know, especially because there's so many contrived and calculated things that are done. And, and that's not new per se, but it's just gotten a lot more acceptable um, as we've, you know, as we've gotten to where we are now. I mean, from, you know, imitation is a huge form of flattery and we definitely have our fair share of of music that we've, you know, nicked a bit here or it's been yeah. you know what I mean inspired by this piece or but that's also art and but when it comes to performing or just being the band we are we're not afraid to just say hey this is who we are you know and we're never it's easy to get caught up in um well you guys are doing like this old school thing or it's retro or it's like throwback and it's like no it's just it's a certain time period of music and art and it's a style and it's a sound that we really appreciate 
and we want to keep reminding people that it's it was a really magic time in music and in the, in the culture of the world I mean, not magic. There was a lot of terrible yeah. things going on in a lot of places. But I just mean there was a lot of growth. I mean, I think people forget that the 50s and really half the 60s were so conservative in this country and so like, you know, don't do this. Like every every move counts. Don't wear this. Don't ha cut your hair like this. Don't be this way. And then by 66, it really started exploding um, to where there was a lot more, you know, being an individual and expressing yourself and being proud of however weird or freakish you want to be. It's yeah. okay because just because it doesn't align with society or society's message doesn't mean that you don't offer something important to, you know, the people, the world, the country. Yeah. I, and I think uh, one of the things that I enjoy about the records and then seeing it in the live show and one of the things that I think is just like this this extra layer of things with what you're doing is some of the vocal effects and the vocal filters that you're, you're kind of cool. running things through, I think is, is something that like really does give it that genre kind of a fresh take in some ways. And yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, we embrace, we don't want anything to be too pure, you know, because that's not where we're going for. We want it to be pure in its intent and what we're trying to offer you, but not, too precious to where you can't color outside the lines or offer something new and cool in a genre that's like well if you want to do this genre you have to do this x y and z and so, well no yeah we want to do x y and z but we want all the other letters involved as well absolutely thinking about sound of sinning yeah like that record i feel like enters into this this psychedelic dream world a little bit you know and oh and definitely it feels like experimental at times which i also That's really cool. dig yeah i mean we were we did you know after you make a record and we did in your brain and it was received so well we felt that sophomore pressure of you know continuing what we had started but also as being new to this experience of making records and being an independent band also wanting to try new things and experiment and and try and grow on the spot by pushing yourself to do and try new things yeah thinking about that everybody's got song and like that flute yeah going cool. on and it, it's just That's like cool. yeah because i mean so much of you know the other parts of the catalog can feel so uplifting and joyful which is yeah this amazing thing that you really get out of soul and r&b and funk yeah. music but yeah. to take it into this other realm where where it feels a little it feels a little weird and, and psychedelic at times oh yeah is, we embrace that we layer. want that we want we want it to be uh we're we're all very much eclectic music fans eclectic in our taste and what we enjoy so we want to try and inject some of that without losing sight of who we are and what we are but we want it to feel like you know oh wow they're they're going there but it doesn't feel so disconnected it doesn't feel like you're like what's this doing on the record you know we've all had moments with that with bands where you're like what did they do <laughs> take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by north 45 pub located in the alphabet district of northwest portland they've got a killer selection of belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles mussels and fritz are on the menu their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. 
So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. I think that's the cool thing going through the records is it feels like each of them kind of exist in their own space too. That's it's really like, good to hear. Oh, this isn't the, the same vibe I'm at very all. conscious of that. You know, that's something that weighs heavily on me as I'm making the record because I'm producing them. Um, I wanted to feel like one big giant story and not to like, well, this is when they went through this phase and this is when they did this. And it's like, no, this is like, these can coexist but yeah. while being very much standing on its own. For sure. And so like, uh, when I see you play in this room in about an hour, am I going to see you play a a different kind of set because it's not this big main stage. No, it's not going to be too different okay. because we're on a tour <clears throat> and we do our show. Like we have our show and we have our batch of songs. We're not really jammers. We're not, you know, when we put away certain songs, we like to put them away because sometimes we just need a rest. You know, there's just certain songs where you're like, man, we've been playing this for a long time. We gotta, <laughs> it needs to get out of our system in order to come back and feel fresh again. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure any artists or bands can understand that. So we kind of just have a, a set, you know, um, of songs that we're playing on this tour. So we'll, there'll be some things in there tonight that you didn't hear last night, but there'll obviously also be some songs that that we did play yesterday. So it'll be a mixed bag. And is uh, I would assume with a band of your size, it there is never any easy sound check situation. <laughs> no, yesterday was a little tougher. We felt bad. There was some technical issues going on, and then the gentleman who was really, you know, had the weight of the responsibility of getting it all put together was, I don't think he had, I don't think he'd ever experienced anything like that. Like, I don't think he'd ever done that in a festival setting where it's very much plug and play and like go and everything's. So yeah, we're a bigger band and we have a lot of pieces, but it really depends on where we are. Some people can really like whip through it and some people it take you know take some a minute to get their yeah. bearings how are you with uh not letting that situation frustrate you before you're about to play music is it easy for you to keep your cool or i mean it's just frustrating because you want to you want to go like once you get up there you don't want to you know the hurry up and wait thing isn't always fun even though it's such a big part of our job um it we've gotten used to it at first when you're younger you know you can let it fluster you but once the first downbeat starts i'm not thinking about it anymore it's there's no reason why i can't put on a good show just because yeah. of that it's not there's no good reason why i can't at least give my best and try and give you my best show there's certain things that are completely out of my control obviously but but i know that i can bring it no matter what pretty easy for you to like flip the switch then and just be in the music as soon as yeah, it hits. Yeah, it's not as quick as one to ten, but I can get to six or seven like quick and then ease on into nine and ten. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seemed like you were at nine and ten most of yesterday. So. <laughs> I think that was adrenaline. Yeah, how much mu- How many sets have you played live in the past 18 months? Oh, not a lot. Um, is this one of the first ones? In terms of in front ones? of people, this is, we're under ten still. Okay. Uh, let's see, one, two, three... This is going to be number nine. Yeah. So, so what's the ninth that? performance in front of people? We did a couple streaming concerts, but that's in a yeah. empty room. Does it feel like there's an, a new energy to it for having all that time away um, from it? Or there's a different appreciation to it. I wouldn't say there's a new energy. I don't. You know, the way I've approached it um, is not any different than I used to. But I definitely appreciate things in a different way and appreciate them more. What's your uh, what's your comfort level at this point of being a band leader? Does that just feel supernatural to you? Well, at this point, uh, you know, it's not about it's it's more about just trying to do things through my actions than trying to be some leader. And you know what I mean. I just want to inspire people on every level, and um, we are definitely a unit. We're a team. We're a family. We're doing things together. No piece is more important than the other. We're all. It's when we're all clicking together is when it's it's at its most powerful and special. So, you, you know, you don't, yeah, leader per se, but only only in certain regards, you know, we, we're definitely a democracy and everybody's opinion counts and everybody gets a say, so. Did you always play keys? Is that your first instrument? No, my first instrument was the drums. 
Okay. I was the kid in the classroom who wouldn't stop playing their desk with my hands. <laughs> and the teacher was driving, you know, was hating me. <laughs> when did the keys thing kick in for you? Um, that came when I got interested in production and, and writing and making music and, you know, uh, making beats and all that. Just wanting more of an outlet of not being too stuck in sampling records, but creating my own original sounds and music. Yeah. You feel like having the drum background and playing the keys, which is so rhythmic, informs your your vocal delivery in some way. Well, I'll also say my father was an amazing keyboard player and a professional musician. So I grew up in a house where, you know, there was a piano and I saw someone playing keyboards at a professional level and saw a lot of, excuse me, great keyboard players. So... I'm sure I gravitated to it. Also, the piano is just the most useful instrument and tool in the studio and in writing because you've got everything. You've got your bass, you've got your chords, you've got your lead on the top. You know, it kind of covers the whole orchestra per se. So, I mean, I don't know. And also, at that stage, there was so many great sounds the keyboards offered. Yeah. And I really got into a lot of the classic vintage keyboards like the Fender Rhodes and the Wurlitzer electric piano and the Horner clavinet and Moog synthesizers, the Hammond B3, Farfisas, Arps, Korg, Roland, you know, keyboards offer. Yeah. And then from keyboards and the drum background, I got into vibraphones. So that's a heavy sound on our records and that's something I'm playing. And it's like, I've always loved the sound of vibes and marimbas and xylophones. So yeah, man, offers, you, you got itself. quite the, the spaceship set up around you of, of keyboards <laughs> yeah, I know, and whatnot I do, yeah. for that for live sure. set. <laughs> for sure. But do you feel like that, uh, I don't know, attributes to maybe the pocket of your vocal, just having that perspective of a drummer and a, a keys player going into being a vocalist? Probably. Same thing. I grew up around a lot of great singers. My dad was a great singer. <clears throat> I was lucky enough to be around a lot of great music and be turned on to great singers. So I think me being a sponge and paying attention and really listening and absorbing things, it when I started doing it, I had probably a better sense of what I was doing than someone who just had no, didn't get to experience the things I did. Where they're just like, I'm just starting fresh. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I think I had a bit of a head start because I was just, I grew up around so much of it and I was paying attention. checking out the recent solo record that you oh, put cool. out and um it kind of lives in a, a similar space or or genre as monophonics it yeah, feels it's like more straight ahead soul music and r&b it doesn't get too far off the beaten path but that's kind of part of what i like to do but i know i don't want that to be monophonics okay so it's an outlet for me to say hey this isn't monophonic enough per se you know what i mean like this isn't this just isn't over here enough but i really like it and it's great and i can you know i feel good playing it and sharing it with people so i want to i want to do that and at one point monophonics took time off and i'm very much an active person when it comes to being in the studio and creating i don't you know i think this last six months i've made less music in a long time just because of you know, life and personal things going on and, and stuff of that matter. But, but I've been pretty active, um, in terms of making records since 2017, 18, I've, I've between monophonics and my stuff, you know, it's like five records or something like that. Yeah. So that's a constant, that's a good amount of records in, you know, one year, a record. Absolutely. All right. I think it's also nice that you have that, that outlet and that space to like, not feel like anything else is unitched or something that 
yeah, something you're not I, getting out of. Everybody's still included, you know. It's like I'm still using a lot of the same horn players. Ryan's on it. Austin playing on a song. Max, a bass player, is on a bunch of stuff. He does a lot of the writing with me. Um, it's it's still under that umbrella as well, too. It's not like I'm over here with a totally different cast of characters. Yeah. And when you guys are making records in the studio for Monophonics, are you bringing in friends and other players to to jam on records too or um on this record there's a little bit more of some out some new blood some outsiders uh, the record that's coming out next year we have a new record okay. that's already done so there's definitely some new blood but okay. i mean there's also just formulaic approach to hey we know these background singers sound great so why am i going to try and start working with a new set of great background singers when i have a great thing with these gals they sing good. They understand what I want. They come in, we get it done, and it sounds great. I mean, there's just certain things. Why change if if it ain't broke? Don't fix it. You know. Yeah, for sure. I was I was thinking about there's a riot going on today as I was going back further in the catalog. Cool. And felt like that one resonated pretty pretty heavy with yeah. The, we were just the current playing, climate. It's not, the song's not on this set, but we were playing it a little ways back before COVID and everything hit. Yeah. It's a great. Yeah. I mean, I love that record. Yeah, does that trip you out when you write songs like that and they, they kind of stand the test of time lyrically in some way? I mean, you'd hope so because history repeats itself and that song was very much written during uh, 2011 when there was a lot of upheaval in London and Egypt and there were literal riots going on in multiple countries and a lot of people were unhappy Um the world was just in an interesting place with, you know, the economy still recovering from, you know, the debacle of the Bush years. And, you know, you have this new president who represents something we've never had. And I don't know, it was an interesting time uh, in 2010 and 11 um, to where uh, the music that we wrote for it, it just, you know, I originally was trying to write this other thing that I had that was more rooted in like love I was like, this ain't jiving. <laughs> this ain't jiving. I got to do better. So we were actually, I think we were at a rehearsal and we were talking and Alex had just come back from Egypt and he had gotten out like a day before the riots and it kind of just clicked in my brain like, wow, there's a lot of um, chaos going on in multiple countries. A lot of people are upset. A lot of people are angry and they're they're using their their freedom of, of speech and and protest to and sometimes being violent and sometimes destroying things which i think like i said history repeats itself the fact that people get so upset that people destroy property because they don't like the world they live in or they don't like the country or the city they live in it's like this has been going on a very long time and for us to act so like shocked by this behavior is it's always funny to me so yeah i'm, I'm glad the song still resonates today and it feels it feels very appropriate As far as lyrics for stuff, is there any different approach to the solo stuff and the monophonic stuff? Do you feel like it derives from different places or you're more no. vulnerable in one space I or the mean, other? I'll definitely get more poetic and weirder. I'll definitely color outside the lines a little more, not consciously, but just because I know that I I don't put monophonics. I put monophonics in my thing on two different shelves. So if it's on this shelf, then why would I even try and approach it like that? I mean, I have, I'm have i lucky as an artist that I have the vehicle of monophonics to do that and kind of get out there and get a little weirder and try different things where I really love my own solo thing where it's like, well, I just know I want to do this because I really love doing this and it feels so natural to me as a singer and a performer. So, I mean, I'm just glad I have both vehicles to express myself in two different ways and people are so accepting and and supportive of of both did you guys choose to put the instrumentals to it's only us out recently just 
just kind of like hold things over during the no it's just it's a very i think it's a great record musically the production stands on its own the it's just it's its own thing and that's i mean there's instrumental version of my solo record too and i think terry from coal mine and myself and the guys in the band we all realize like well there's these songs you know we're i'm crafting these things you know we're coming in we're writing together we're working on it there's a lot of time and love that's put into this and we want to make sure every little bit gets you know the same platform so yeah of course you get the songs you get the vocals and all that but i think it's great for the listener to unpack you know the music and production that that is offered on the record well it's a completely different experience that way right exactly like you said it you said it because then you're not your vocal isn't there to to guide me through it of like definitely what i'm feeling about the music yeah and you're gonna notice different things and and once you take my voice out and those words and that storyline and all those things it's it's a different mood too so yeah you know i'm i'm happy to i'm sure we'll continue to do that i i I think we'll probably release the instrumentals eventually of Sound Ascending just because, you know, why not? Yeah. And then you, I mean, for as many of those people that you were talking about earlier that might not be willing to stick around for a a 45 minute instrumental set, there's a, there's a large portion of people that are there for that and, and are super stoked to just hear the instrumentals. Definitely. No, you're right. It's however you want to digest the music is cool. I'm sure there's somebody out there who's going, man. I really like, yeah. It's only us is cool, but man, I love the instrumentals. You know, it's like <laughs> you're not gonna hurt my feelings, honestly, because I am so involved in making those records. I'm producing them. I'm recording them. I'm mixing them. I'm one of the, you know, I'm the lyricist. I'm the song, you know, I'm helping with the, write the music and arrange it. I arrange the strings on Last One Standing with my friend Shayna. So it's like I'm so involved in it that I'm happy to hear that you love the instrumentals. You know, you're not, like I said, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. What do you, what do you do to capture uh, the energy for actually making a record and not having the the crowd to, to Uh, feed off? I just love creating and I love being creative and, and working with people. And there's a magic in just that moment of something special happens or a happy accident or you know you're working on something and all of a something all of a sudden uh there's an element that appears and it takes you in a new direction or inspires you to go you know at first you might go man i really want to do this with this song and this is this but then all of a sudden you know within the process you're off that beaten path and you've embraced something new and it's even better than you could imagine your original idea and it's just the the thrill and high of creating something and especially as you progress in your career, knowing that there's an audience out there, that's really thrilling that there's people out there that are waiting Yeah. because you as a music fan, we all start off as fans. You know, that's every single musician starts off that's as someone here, man. who loves music, <laughs> man. So, so that's, I try to never forget that and lose touch with the fact that music just moved me in such a powerful way and it changed my life to where I said, I want to chase I want to chase creating those feelings for people. Like what people created for me to feel and turned me on, I want to do the same for others because I know how important that is for me in my life and and who I am. And I know there's people that rely on music so heavily for their daily, you know, just to get through life. You know, music is such an important part. And to know that I can contribute in in some way like that is an honor. Amen. You gave it back to me yesterday, man. It was, yeah, it was very, it was a powerful experience. And I think also just because I haven't been in too many crowds that big of, of people as well. And just, uh, I don't know, it was the kind of set where I I was kind of like looking around and I think it's hard for people to not have a smile on their face watching something like that, you know? That's wonderful, man. I mean, that's what it's all about is making people feel good. Even if it's, you know, there's a funny thing. There's a funny Charlie Brown cartoon where he you know i think lucy's playing a record and charlie brown says this record makes me feel so sad and then at the end he goes let's let's listen to it again you know because there's something interesting about that that we are gravitated towards this nostalgic sadness or something that reminds us of a family member or an ex or a part of our lives that maybe isn't the brightest part but because of that nostalgia 
we want to experience that experience that sadness again because it's not it's not the same sadness it's not as powerful it doesn't carry the same load as maybe what initially caused that sadness but there's something i find that so interesting that and i'm drawn to those things yeah. <laughs> i love a good sad song i love you know i'll go back to old records that may remind me of something that was a tough time in my life but for some reason i'm just attracted to those same. those things so it's very interesting yeah we're bringing joy but sometimes we're just helping people be reminded of of their feelings and their emotions absolutely dude uh you get any opportunity to play with your dad at all when you as you got older yeah i did he played on my record my solo record and he sat in multiple times with monophonics at shows whenever we were in la he would come out sit in so we got rad. to do some tours with with one of his bands in the midwest and yeah i got to do a good amount i'd imagine I'm very that's a pretty, pretty special experience to get to share because it's, yeah it's special obviously with your your bandmates and too but it's it's I don't know. I think it's always oh, cool when you get to very, yeah. when you it's get a, to see someone share the stage with a, a family member, whether it's like brother, sister oh, situation definitely. on the road or, or whatever, but just like that opportunity to play with a parent doing, yeah. doing the thing that you both sure. love and, and really understanding that thing. Cause there's, there's so many of those relationships where someone doesn't really understand your passion. Right. Yeah. And usually you, the way you've been introduced to this said thing that you're sharing is because of your parent. You know, so yeah. to have it be this full circle moment is very, very uh, special to get to experience something like that and share, share this, you know, in real time, sharing what's led you there, which is like his passion and his career. And then me following in a, you know, down a similar path and my passion and my career and it colliding for just a brief moment is very, very special. Hell Yeah. All right, man. Well, I know that you got uh, a show yeah, to play, I'd love to talk so to you more, uh, man, we maybe we uh, stage in thirty-five minutes. Close out on this. Who's what? Who's the person that's informed your process the most the, thus far, or had the biggest impact on the way you operate as a musician? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely my dad. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Cool, man. Yes. Yeah, well, so. I appreciate you. Uh, giving me your time and thanks bro i love the band the, thank you so much the records are great um i think that that tunnel vision song kind of touches on uh some of that uh that psychedelic shit oh yeah we'll we'll do that one tonight we uh, ran out of time man yesterday we unfortunately our, our set got cut a little short so that one will be in the set right on and uh i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh keep up with monophonics and your solo stuff as That'd well great yeah and i'm producing other people as well so uh, a great artist from Nashville last night played at the uh, Olympic, Alana Royale. Nice. And I, I'm producing, you know, her record's just about done. So awesome. I'm always working on different things. Cool, man. Well, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which cool. is, it's a program. Yep. So if we could get the Kelly Finnegan from the Monophonics, it's a program, we can properly assail this thing out. Well, as they say... It's a program. You nailed it, everybody. That's Kelly Finnegan. Thanks so much for hanging, man. Thank you. Uh, Enjoy the play rest it. of your, uh, your festival, guys. Absolutely, yeah, man. Stoked to be here. First tree for it. And uh, we're going to play it out with Last One Standing off of the It's Only Us record. You can find all the monophonic stuff on all the streaming services. and uh, Buy the vinyl, though. Buy the vinyl. Definitely get yourself some wax. Yeah. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Boise, Portland, San Francisco, wherever you're listening LA. from. <laughs> the whole West Coast, baby. <laughs> cool, man. Yep. See?
big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with distro kid making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh, the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well big thanks to distro kid stay up stay tuned